Davey. I'm Lamba. And this is Off the Record. Welcome back, one and all, to another edition of Off the Record. I'm Davey. Mamba is glowing, and we got two esteemed guests on the panel with us today. We have truck series legend Brad Perez and Philip Smalley, who basically is the antithesis of everything that somebody does at the racetrack. <laughs> Some people say, oh, I go to the racetrack and, you know, I'm just going to chill, have a good time and, you know, drink some beers, have some hot dogs with my buddies. Philip says, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to be running around pit road. I'm going to go to victory land. I'm going to print some wind t-shirts. I'm going to make sure that my driver is where he's supposed to be. He does everything and anything at the racetrack. We're going to get into all of it. First of all, let's start off with you, Mamba. Where in the wide world of sports can you be today? I am in Coda. Uh, okay. I, I have come to Coda now three times this year. Never been one time until this year. Uh, I have a, I basically, I'm looking at apartments in Austin. Uh, I heard Rainy Street's really mm -hmm. fun. So I'm checking that out. Uh, maybe, maybe West 6th. Um, you know, I've had a good time here. It's been a good experience in Austin every time I come up. Uh, so it's been fun. But from Saturday to today, I will have been on a plane every day this week. So that's been, um, mm. that's been a thing. So, yeah, you're just trying to get on that Philip Smalley, uh, status in terms of airfare. Isn't that right? I, Philip? I, yeah. I think we're about tied right now, but he's going to pass me if he keeps that up. I'm trying. <laughs> I had to use a lot of points for this one though. So it's, it's kind of like, but it's nice to have the points to use, but I had to use more points than I really wanted to. Brad, do you got any points to trade in for a chair that's not a folding chair that you sit on the lawn with? You know, like I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna give y'all a visual right now. Please, I'm I'm in my my studio right now. Okay, <laughs> and all I beats. have right now is instruments, cooking a it up, a bit of cash, and a lawn chair. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mamba, you know what that is? What grinder? grinders <laughs> but 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 wait before we give him some props like i you're the like you were late bro 12 you you, you knew it at time what do you mean you yeah usually mom was the one that's late and i give him crap yeah. for that but i texted brad and i was like i can't give him crap i love him too much i not gonna lie i was i was packing because now i have to fly today and um i was out to like one o'clock last night because I, I didn't have work today so i was like oh man i'm gonna I'm gonna live it up. And then I woke up this morning at still eight o'clock in the morning and I haven't touched my phone until like 20 minutes ago. And then now I'm late. So there you go. It doesn't even uncle Phil tell him how that doesn't make any sense. That's the worst excuse I've ever heard. I mean, he, he kind of gave it away when he said he didn't have work today because it just meant that he didn't have to do anything. He woke up at eight, took him four hours and did nothing. Why did you tell us that? <laughs> if he was like, I stayed up till one, and I was just really tired. We would have just assumed he was asleep. Thank you. Like, Honesty is the best yeah. policy, though. I, I, I had that. to be honest. I had to be honest. Honest, <laughs> honestly, honestly, you're a child, and we're gonna have to groom you a little bit more. <laughs> we do what we gotta do. I'm just shocked that Mamba wasn't the one that was late. He was actually the first one to join today. So you're getting a little bit better when you have good lighting, when you have good Wi-Fi, when we plan <laughs> adequately. It's amazing what can happen. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really on our stuff this week, actually. I, the sunlight is coming through, and I just look – I look like a filter. You're glowing. My, <laughs> this beautiful chocolate skin is just 
oh yeah but you that. weren't in the same seat that ross chastain was on national television on fox and friends were you phil did you set that up did you set that whole day like so uh no how's um, that work the fox and friends interview well just like yeah i mean yeah um it was a. Uh, um they were going to interview whoever won the race so okay. it was a nascar track thing and uh just happened to do it here i guess okay well that's he's at his house in case anyone's wondering where here is yeah. so which but he looks also- like dressed to the nines so you would think he's somewhere well, else you know what i mean i was gonna go to track house and, and go to the um to the win lunch but i guess yep. the catering was a little late and so i i skipped it for this wow look look at that brad you see that he skipped a win lunch to be on the show and you show up in a lawn chair i don't hate it i like the vibes (laughs) opposite end of the spectrum here man i don't even i I don't even know what to say when we go to brad's first win lunch um you know we can bring lawn chairs that would actually, I'm down with that. I'm <laughs> down. So, like, honestly, though, like, because I'm in Coda, and obviously, you know, Brad, Brad hit the scene here. Brad, I was right next to you. Like, obviously, we were, we were standing next to each other, like, throughout that little bit of the process. And you would have thought, I don't know, I don't think they caught it on TV, and some people might have took some pictures, but if you guys would have seen it, it would have thought that Brad just won the Daytona 500. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we had him up on the shoulder. Like, I was so excited for you, man, because and I texted you after the ARCA race, and even though the ARCA race didn't go that well for you, but it was like you, you made it to, the, to that level to be able to do it, right? And that, that matters. That was huge. Yeah, that, I still I remember that day very vividly. Like I, I remember when when I found out that we made the show, the <laughs> I kept looking at the thing. I remember Josh Sims was there with his little TV stick thing, and I was watching the thing on there. And I was like, I just need to be like two people. I need to be two people. And once we found out, like, yeah, me it was me, you, Josh Williams, and and my mom. Yep. <laughs> and like and your dad. Else. Yeah. My dad was there. And we were like jumping around screaming. And I noticed like a couple other crew members looking back, like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> but man, that was I was that was true emotion. That was elated. Like, you know, I didn't honestly care about how the race went because I was like, you know, I could control what I could control. But what I could control is putting that thing in the show. And I was like, if I don't do it, I'm gonna look like an absolute cob. And I was like, ah, oh, this, this is great. <laughs> uh phil you uh people don't know but you you were behind the wheel a little mm. bit There's a reason uh, really that mamba yeah yeah phil, yeah, phil <laughs> listen back in back in the day uncle phil used to whip it every once in a while now but you your your path has gone in a different direction mm-hmm. and it's but it's been equally as hard man like i remember when i was at mdm and you were kind of doing our socials and helping us with our marketing and and we were both like looking at you like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Like, yeah. I don't know how we're going to move forward from here. And it was just, there was no end of the tunnel. And then all of a sudden here you are full-time yeah. PR for Ross. And so that's I think, um, I think the craziest thing about that whole story is just like, I don't think there was any moment throughout the last decade that I thought like, Oh, like this is going to work out. Wait, wait, run that back because we, we, did we, you I freeze think, or did I freeze? Yeah, you froze, froze Mamba. I heard oh, it. Oh, okay, go ahead. Sorry. 
Okay. Well, I'll start over so you can hear it. Uh, <laughs> I guess the Wi-Fi isn't as good as we thought, maybe. Yeah, I guess not. I jinxed um, it. It's just, it's crazy because when I look back at the last decade, there was really no moment uh, over the last 10 years or so that like I thought, oh, like this is really going to work out. Like it just kind of, it just kind of has happened. And like every, you know, because now that I'm here, um, you know, managing Ross and, and 13, 14 other guys in the sport. Um, it's, you know, I guess if you look on paper, people say like, oh, you made it. And it's like, I feel like I have more, I feel like I have a, more distance to cover now than when I started because I just, because I know how hard it is and how hard it is to stay relevant. And I, I imagine for Brad, that's how he feels too, right? You get that first start and it's like you worked your whole life to just, all you ever told it probably told, told anyone is if I can just get there, I'll be happy. And then you get there and then you're like, okay, how do I stay there? And yeah. that's almost harder than getting there. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild, wild ride. Yeah. It's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. It's another thing to stay hungry and have the grind and determination to, to go further with that. And man, mom, I'm telling you, we got a good episode on tap because these two are grinders to the nth degree. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back and we're going to hear a little bit about both of their stories. If you don't already know, you will soon. You're listening off the record. Welcome back to Off the Record. Davey and Mamba hanging out with Philip and the bread man himself, Brad Perez. We were just talking in the break. Apparently, Mamba and Philip and Bubba Wallace somehow are tied together in victory lane at Martinsville. I need to hear the Michigan, story. Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Yeah, with the Michigan. Maestros, the 99 truck? Yeah, yeah. I need to hear yeah. the story. Well, all right, Phil, you, you brought it up. So you, you, you started, I'll let you start and I'll interject. Oh, um, okay. So when, um, this was in 2017, Mambo was working at MDM and I was, I was working at Spire and Spire was doing some marketing and some PR work for MDM. And so I was, uh, I don't remember how it all went down, but actually I think Mambo was doing PR that day. I was doing the. I was the, just there. Yeah, he. So Phil basically had other stuff he had to do, and so I was going to like do the socials, like yeah, up to date and, stuff. And so I was kind. Of, I was talking to Austin Craven, who was helping Bubba at the time, and all the stuff. And then um, that was like one of the only races Bubba had run that year, and we won. And uh, yeah, so that me and Mamba and I have a, a win with Bubba. Yeah, it was, cool. that deal was it was pretty cool because. So probably a couple of weeks before that um, was, so this was a year, everyone probably might not remember. This was the year Bubba was at Roush in the six after Busher had won the championship. So now Bubba's got the championship team and he's fourth in points with the Roush stuff. Like they he was, they were running really well. And I went over to his house, man, after that deal shut down and he looked like, I felt so bad. We were watching the race together, but it was just quiet. Like it was me, him, and Amanda, and we were, it was just we didn't really talk much. I just wanted, I just was wanted to be there for my boy. You know what I mean? Like he's had this great year, and now he's out of the ride and didn't know what was next. And you know, Austin Craven put that deal together with Maestros, and and we won, which was nuts. And we were Arca team. It was the team that it was like Shane Huffman was the crew chief, and mm -hmm. it was just a really cool. Yeah, it wasn't a full time truck team. It, they ran no. like hit or miss races and then went out and won that race so yeah it was pretty it was pretty cool it was a big moment for sure yeah speaking of big moments i want to go back to coda for a little bit i want to focus on brad 
Um, I, I was texting Brad during that whole weekend because I was, this is when I was off on, but I was getting my groove on on the cruise and I was getting my tan on, but <laughs> on I was on, I was literally on the ship trying to get Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi was awful in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. I was trying to get Wi-Fi to follow the truck race. And I'm like in the cafeteria area, whatever, like screaming, trying to figure out if Brad qualified, if he made the show. And then later in the day, I'm following along and I'm seeing if he's actually going to beat his boy, Will Rogers. I look like an absolute buffoon. But the point is, Brad, I want you to tell us a little bit more about that weekend in its entirety from your perspective, because we've seen the television interviews, we've seen the clips, we've, we've seen your coverage on social media and all that type of stuff. Well, let's hear it right from you, from the horse's mouth, from the time you stepped on the property to the time you left with a truck inside the top 20 for your debut. Just how would you describe the weekend and take us through every, every single inch of it? Because it clearly was something that resonated with a lot of people. Every I don't know if y'all got time for that. Like, <laughs> we got all the time in the world, my guy. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, first thing, uh, we stayed uh, in classic underfunded team. You know, we stayed an hour and a half from the racetrack. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I'm flying back and forth. I understand that. I was expecting like we're staying at like a, you know, super eight. I didn't expect to say we were staying an hour and a half away. No, nah, we were we were staying an hour and a half away in New Braunfels, Texas, in this like fake off-brand Wyndham. And <laughs> it, <laughs> and we um it was me, crew chief Greg Rail, and like a bunch of elevated guys. And that was my crew. <laughs> and we went, we drove all the way to the racetrack. I remember we got there, had to go to credentials, and we got there and we were like almost late for garage opening. And uh, I was low-key mad because I'd be early to garage opening all the time. That's like the one thing that irks the hell out of me. And then we, uh, we got there. I got my set of tires. Actually, I got my two sets of tires, started putting them in sets because I had nobody to do that for me. So I was, was doing that, was getting, make sure Greg had everything. And then I looked, I, I looked at Greg and I had all my, I had my staggers and everything. And Greg's like, I don't, I don't care. You just do whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, did that, but put everything on the truck, put it through tech. Had a little issues with the shock mounts when we were we were chasing that because we were at the shop till 2 a.m. basically like every damn day since like Monday. So I'm just like, I don't care as long as it passes. <laughs> so I had it passed. Did I freeze or he freeze? No, he did. He did that time. That okay. time I was done. Brad, come back. Um, Try to not win the fire suit 500 and not be the first person with their suit on. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, like I think with like 30 minutes to go, I went in the hauler changed. We obviously did not have a hauler in our garage. So I had to go to the cup garage to get mm. dressed. Um, and then, uh, you know, went to the, went to the. This kid, I swear <laughs> to God, he's late. Did, underfunded guys. Brad, come back. Please. <laughs> Brad, come back. We missed you. 90 minutes from the track, though, that's a bit much. I've never been that far. I've been an hour, but you 90 think, minutes. You, you think he's still talking? Okay, okay, hang on. Yeah, hang he on, definitely is still talking. They <laughs> cut out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. From the time you got dressed to you just coming back right there, we have no idea. What you I'm going to amend the question. Instead of every, every intricate detail, let's fast forward a little bit to qualifying and then the race. How about that? Oh, he's back. There All right. Is. All right, so 
so I got, I have two internet sources in my house and it automatically went to the wrong internet source. Of course it did. All right, yeah. So what, rephrase the question so I'm not here all day. Okay. <laughs> From qualifying and when you made the show through the race and getting a top 20 finish. <laughs> Let's go through that. This we'll is the most, this is the most Brad, I feel like it, like show of all. Like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Me and Phil are just yeah. like, look at this kid. Like, oh my God. I think he's <laughs> awesome. I, I'm going to sign him. All right, Peter. I think he's going to be a superstar. <laughs> oh my God. All right, let's go, superstar. All right. All right. So, anyway, so yeah, first time I had driven a truck that was not from Darlington backstretch to the front stretch was when I hopped in the <laughs> truck for practice. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, after that, I was like, man, this is probably the worst. This is this is the worst. Like, I, I am so bad right now. And uh, like, anyways, like what did qualifying? I tried to put down the fastest possible lap on human existence and I made like 10 <laughs> mistakes and it was really bad. But then my second lap, I was like, okay, we did all right. And then it was it was enough. So I'm happy. But so, anyways, from then on, making the show, I was really happy. I was hanging out with y'all. I was like, oh my God, this is like the best day of my life. Like we were all like. We were all hype, and I think that made me more hype. So I was like, I was like relieved, and y'all were just hype. So I was just like, <laughs> need to take this energy and move it to the race. <laughs> and um, race day, I was like, I was so confused because I did not know where I was supposed to be. This is kind of one of those where, like, if it was like a regional race, like in Spec Miata, I would just kind of like hop in the car and roll to the grid, and then whatever. And y'all were like, okay, we need to go to like the Formula One debrief room for driver intros and then like I, I didn't know where I was supposed to be at whatever time so I know you were doing the 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 call for the yep. PA and I was like that's badass I was like Man, I know this voice <laughs> and um getting to walk across that stage I, I'll never forget that um and you calling out the names after that and walking in my truck and I, I low-key like I don't think I said this yet but the like about 10 minutes before like the the anthem and everyone was there we were taking pictures like jay jay lopez was taking pictures next to the the truck and i had the sponsors there and i was about to cry like low-key i was like oh my god like what the hell is happening and um then i had to like kind of like like beat myself into to regular existence like okay i actually have a, a job that i'm supposed to be doing and i should really be focused and um, after the anthem, it went serious. And, and after that, it was like, honestly, from the moment the green flag dropped to like the moment the checker dropped, it was like, it was just a spec me out of race. It's just, you go, you got, got all your good guys where the good guys are supposed to be. You got all the good guys and okay equipment. And you had the, the bad guys and good equipment. And then there was me trying to figure out where the hell I'm supposed to be. <laughs> That was and really seems- well explained. <laughs> it was. It did that good. Series 101. I'm yeah. using that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally, a, it was just like a Miata race. And that's I was just awesome. trying to figure out how to not be the caution. And that's about it. <laughs> look, look, man. Um, I think for me and all the all the grinders out there watching, watching what you're doing, um, I can relate to that. And like, I can't stress enough to people. Like when I made when I made the snowball, the snowflake, right on time, like on the bubble, the anxiety that you feel 
is so high and like for for us right we, we don't do it all the time we're just we're just trying to be able to do it because we love it and that's why we're here and if we don't get to do it every once in a while you just like it's like it drives you nuts phil i want to ask you though like because you're you're on the on the marketing on the you know on that side you look at you help with guys like Stefan Parson, you help guys like Brad, like you hear Brad's story, like from a business stand, standpoint, like everyone saw Brad. How does that, you know, fit into like, you're like, oh man, look at this kid. Like maybe there's something I can do with it. Yeah, so I, I think that the, probably the misconception about me is that I, uh, that I like made it. And like I said earlier in the show, um, you know, this is really my first, this is really only my second year working with a tub driver at this level. And that being Ross, and when I started helping Ross, when Spire started helping Ross, he was driving the four car. So it's still awkward. Really awkward is actually the right word for me to like go to the racetrack and like walk in with Ross and think that we have a shot to win like every race is really weird. So I think, you know, what Brad did at Coda, um, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, I think that's what this this deal is all about and the just the job you've done marketing yourself and putting yourself you know surrounding yourself with good people josh williams is a great you know great person to, to be around he's you know he's a great race car driver and he gets it and you know mamba and just the, the group that you have around you like you got a whole bunch of racers around you and it's you know it's paying off and i think the the what's so cool about your story is like you, I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be there and I shouldn't be there. Mamba shouldn't be like, like, I think growing up, you watch all these sports and you, and you watch NASCAR and you watch Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon and LeBron and Kobe and all, all these guys. And you're just like, oh, like I'll never be there. And if I ever, if I ever make it, it's going to be this like glamorous thing. It's going to be so great. And then you achieve a little bit of success and you're just like this this just kind of feels like normal life and it's harder, it's harder than I expected. And it's the highs are so high, but the lows are so, so, so low. Um, that when you have a high like you did at Coda, you just have to enjoy it. And you know, being interviewed and all the things you did was just were just awesome. And yeah, I I mean, I said this to a driver, I said this to one of my clients yesterday. I don't know if you can drive, and you don't know if you can drive. You think you can drive. And you show flashes of being able to do it, but until you go, until someone decides they're going to give you a chance to dress on the good and give you the proper time to learn how to do it, like, we'll never know. And so I think we, in this industry, we get stuck in this thing where, where we're like, oh, you know, Brad, you know, and I know I said Brad's a superstar. And really what I meant was just like off the track, you're a superstar. Like, I don't even know if you can not, but like, we get in this thing where like, Man, like, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a homer to my guys, right? But, like, you say, you know, like, Stefan will qualify 12. And I'll be like, see, he can do it. Everyone's just like, yeah, that's great. He's fast. I'm like, see, he can do it, right? But the, the, the reality is Stefan doesn't even know if he can do it. He certainly thinks he can, and he's shown flashes of it. But how would we actually know until we give him the opportunity that Ross had in a 42 car? It's the same thing with Brad. Like we get it stuck in this thing as an industry where we just, we, we have an opinion about everybody and that's a human thing, but yeah, yeah. It's like, 
right? It's like, we don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. That's part of the journey. And that's what makes this sport and sports in general so fun. Mamba, what, what do you think is, is the key to, to staying hungry and to keep grinding when you get to somewhere? It's eight, by the way. Uh, when you get somewhere and you think that you're, you're at the mountaintop, but then when you get there, you realize that there's actually more to accomplish. Um, man, I it's mean, deep. yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys see how I am on my socials and you guys know me personally. And like my socials is just a, a, a public representation of, of how I am and how I look at myself. And, um, you know, you, you gain, you, you work, you, you keep banging your head against the wall, right? You keep working, 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 working and you gain a little bit of success and you're like, Oh my God, that feels great. Okay. Now do I, how, how do I do that again? Like, how, how do I, how do I make success again? And it, it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant mentality of you're just going to keep working. Like you just keep working until you, you get a second to pick your head up for air and you look around and you're like, Oh snap, I'm way further than I was about what I thought I was 20 minutes ago. I right, head back down. Let's dig some more. And this sport is, I've said it before, especially with all these, uh, we have a lot of young people coming into the sport, which is great. They're, they're hungry. They want to be a part of it. But I will forever warn them, this sport is open for anyone. This sport is, is for anyone, but it's not for everyone. The difference is, is what you got in here because it's going to test you and life is no different, right? It's going to continually test you and see how bad you really want to do this thing. I've made some massive mistakes in my life and in my career that were setbacks that changed the trajectory of where I was going. But at the same time, I didn't quit on it. And because of that, I'm in a way better spot. It, it's taken me, I've been here since I was 18. I'll be 30 this year. So uh, 12 years, right? Or whatever. Damn, you're old as hell. I know I'm old, but I look good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I've just got to this point now where I'm getting, I've had respect in the garage. Like people have known me for a long time, but now I'm getting respect on a broader, on the, in the industry. And people, people like on socials, right? Like they're like, who is this guy? Like, why is this guy? And they're like, oh, you know, NASCAR pandering, you know, to woke culture or this or that. And I'm like, listen, let me go home real quick. Let me put on this Kevin Harvick ring. Let me put on this Harrison Burton ring. Talk to him. Let me get my Sheldon Creed ring. Let me get my Brickyard <laughs> ring. Like I, like, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm not that guy. And I will, I, and I just, people like you got, you guys on here, I look at all three of you and I see like pieces of myself in all of you, right? Like Brad, just being, doing the tire thing and just, constantly in the shop and working at a low level team and it's grinding that out to figure out where you want to go and how can you get in the race car that was me that was me at rev and then i look at phil and phil's gone through this whole thing with spire and been on the marketing side the front end side the business side well that was me at mdm right like i i transferred from being you know brad to more like phil and then still trying to be like brad and still trying to race and do it at a high level and then now I'm in this part where I'm, I feel a lot of connection with Davey where it's like, how do I become a better on camera? How do I, you know, connect my questions? How do I pull the best out of people? And, you know, so I learned from you guys how to do all those things. And, and you know, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but to say your dream is just your glass ceiling. 
Because once you break through it, you, you hit your dream, right? What are you supposed to do? Stop? Oh, shoot. Got that one race. I made that one TV interview. I, I landed that one deal. What do you just stop there? You just. Or can no, I just say that I, I agree with a lot of what you had to say. I think the only thing that I don't agree with is I think it's okay if we got our jobs because of our skin color. Like, I don't think it matters. Like, I don't care. I'm not even trying to get deep, but like, no, it's, let's get deep. No, but, but I just think, I just think it's so interesting. Like, people are always like, oh, Bubba got there because of his skin color. Okay. By the way, he didn't. Like, he can, he can do it. He's won, he's won a lot of races. He's won truck races, like, probably should have won some extreme races. He has a cup win, like, Talladega, whatever, rain, who cares? It's a cup win, pays the same. My point is, like, I swear sports and especially motorsports is the only um, industry where like someone has success and we just destroy it. So like, can you imagine if Bubba became the CEO of Bank of America? Do you think they'd be like, oh, you just got that job because you're black? You think that's what they would lead with? They might say that, right? But do you think, but do you think that they would lead with that the way they do in NASCAR or, 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 or other sports? Like, like, I have no problem being half black. I'm the whitest black guy on the planet. I know that. I, I'll say that out loud all day. I'm good with it. It doesn't offend me. Like, I'm not offended by that. If I was purple, tell me I'm purple. Like, what's wrong with facts, right? Yes, it's it's harder to be a person of color in America. It still is. Is it right? No. Is it is it is it the worst thing in the world? No, I live in America. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, not everyone has to like me. I don't have to like everybody because I live in America. Like, it's just, you get, I get to this point where I'm just like, people say, oh, Danica sucks. It must suck to be Danica. Like, I'd like to have her money. I like to be in shape, as in shape as she is. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, guys, like, are you, like, I don't think she's too worried about what you, like, I mean, I appreciate that we have fans that are passionate. I do. And I get that everyone... That's what makes the world go around. That's what makes the sport so great. It's like people are just so nasty to like Bubba and Danica and, you know. I think part of the part of what you're saying, Phil, is it's a philosophical thing, but we're, we're deep now. So, well, I mean, yeah, you can it. look no, at it, it. You can look at it like LeBron James or Jimmy Johnson or, or whoever, Dale Earnhardt. Like people hate people that have what they can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, you're right. Like the fact that the fact that Bubba's a cup winner, Bubba got a cup ride, Bubba's driving for Michael Jordan. People yeah. are jealous of that and they say, Oh, well, he's black. That's how he got it, because they think that he's undeserving of it somehow. They oh. do the same thing with Jimmy Johnson, like, oh well, he's not the best. He just had the best equipment. Well, no, they're saying that because they hate a winner and they hate somebody that's in a position that they can't be in, and they're jealous. And that that that's a well, way of people that are kind of deflecting. You know what I'm I mean? Gonna, so I, gonna... I agree with what you're saying. I'm going to tie that off too right here because what you just said is facts is I give you Austin Dillon. People want to give him like the silver spoon yeah. thing, right? Uh, I'm sorry, but he's the closest to winning a championship in all three top tier yeah. series. He's yeah. got a truck one and an Xfinity yeah. one. Or, and he did those two in two years separate time. Hey, like, you know, Greg Biffle's still in the cup series, my guy. Okay. I know. I'd love to see Biffle. <laughs> he, made radio, he made radioactive this week. So it feels like it's 2016. Love I love it. it. Sorry, okay. sorry. No, no, I love it, man. I, I, what, like that, 
with a lot of facts. People will find a reason to poke holes in your success. And I love, like, I eat that stuff up. That's my breakfast. Yeah. I love going to Twitter and seeing people talk smack. I love it. Give me that. Yeah, man, we're getting deep. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll lighten the mood a little bit off the record. Don't, don't go away. Welcome back. Hanging out with Mamba, Phil, and Brad on Off the Record. And we are headed to Dover Motor Speedway this weekend. I'm headed there, and I'm definitely going to mess it up. I'm going to call it by the wrong name since SMI is now taking it over. It's, it's a whole thing. But I'm really interested to see, Brad, how the next-gen car adjusts to the Monster Mile. Bigger, wider tires, increased horsepower, cars lower to the ground, more G-forces, more load, more physical strain on the drivers for 400 miles on Sunday, 200 on Saturday. I'm curious to see how all these factors play out specifically on Sunday for the cup race. Uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely uh, this rack and pinion steering is probably the hardest test on, on that system that you'll have all year. Same thing with um, your independent rear suspension. That's probably the highest load you'll take on the independent rear suspension all year. Uh, that's the one I was concerned the most about is because um, I know traditionally we would run like progressive springs and we'd run like crazy shock numbers. And now with with how these these cars are structured, I don't know what type of setups these guys are going to be running as far as rigidity and and drivability i feel like these cars are already hard to drive as it is so you're probably gonna have to make them even more stiff to be able to to handle this racetrack so i'm really uh, really excited to uh talk with a, a lot of the cup guys after first practice and see what what they found um also same thing no inner liners smaller sidewall yeah heavier loads so think about that, that is a uh, that's definitely something that I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, I have a quick before I ask Phil about about Dover. Uh, what do you would you be a would you want to be a crew chief, Brad? Like the way you just described that, I was like, that sounds really. Yeah, you crazy. use rigidity in a sentence. That was impressive. <laughs> I would Google I, it. <laughs> I, I scored very bad on my SAT. <laughs> I yeah, bet okay. you a lot of crew chiefs have never taken an SAT, so I don't, I don't think, think that matters. Oh, man. My I took the ACT. Would you, would you, you don't want to know my score. Me I took the PSAT and that was it. My dad didn't want to pay the 40 bucks because I told him I didn't want to go to school. Uh, would you want to be Would you want to be a crew chief, Brad? So uh, technically on paper, I crew chief the three car last week in the ARCA series. Um, so I'm going to take credit for I put that thing top of the board. I did not set it up, though. So I'm, a boy. I'll say that. I'm being honest. I didn't set up the car, but I did put it through tech. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, I definitely would like to be a crew chief one day. I felt like, you know, being the race car driver thing, like, obviously I want to be able to do it, but obviously not everybody gets a chance to do it full time. I'm going to try my hardest, but there's going to be a point in time where I'm going to be like, you know what, let's, let's settle down and, and do something to, to help somebody else. So I, I definitely want to be a crew chief. I always, I want to be a team owner, honestly, when I get older, if it, if it's still financially feasible, you ain't got uh, that Phil Smalley money though. Well, I ain't have buying to hire him. Him, so you don't want that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I definitely would like to crew chief one day, like like actually be in the role or engineer full time. Yeah. I, I love that, uh, Phil. So what I wanted to ask you was, Dover's in a strange market as far as where it is. It's it's just in a weird geographical location compared to most things. And when we go there, there's really not like anything crazy right there that you can go do and whatever from a marketing standpoint, how, how do you sell, you know, a Dover type of 
of region? You know, I mean, like, Good question. what's yeah. the, you know, yeah. what do you do there? Well, we can have a whole other podcast about this. <laughs> um, I think Dover's a hard market. It's a, it is a hard market. Um, I, I think the what you see with Dover a lot, unfortunately, is they're like throw-in races for for big sponsors. Like, hey, we'll give you the Daytona 100, but we need you to do Dover because <laughs> we can't sell it. I think for you know guys like Brad that are grinding, trying to. There we go. Grinding. Like Double digits, I think. To, uh, I think that, yeah. To, uh, um, you know, just find tire money, find 10 grand, find 25,000, whatever, you know. It's a hard market uh, to, to find that because I don't think, um, or I just don't, what happened there? Uh, I don't know, my camera <laughs> messed up. I'm back though. <laughs> okay. Flat tire. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, it's not really close to any, um, I mean, you're, you're like what an hour and a half from Baltimore and you're like an hour and a half from Philly. You're kind of in a weird mm-hmm. spot. You got to get there for us. Like you got to drive through DC, which is horrible. Um, I, I, I think it's just one of those races that if you have it sold, like if you have a, a company that likes you, they do it for 15 years. And if you don't have it sold, you'll never sell it. Like yeah. it's one of those strange markets. Cause it's just not a big market. And the other thing is I think, with the casinos struggling kind of the way that it has the couple, last couple of years, it's just, it's not that big of a draw anymore, unfortunately, because it is a, it's a cool venue. And when the casino yeah. was really hopping, it was a fun place to go, but I don't think the casino's done very well the last couple of years, unfortunately. The racetrack is one of the most unique places. And I think like yeah. for a race fan, it's one of the best places to go watch a race. I agree. To be quite honest, the sensation of speed that you get there yep. is unmatched. You go stand on that. Um, on that the bridge on that, uh, the bridge, bridge yeah go by it'll rip your head off <laughs> that's not what he was wow. about to say that's not what he was gonna say <laughs> no, I, I... it is great though it's a good point because dover's my home track I, I grew up going there twice a year every year from 2002 to 2014 and you know you got dc that's close by baltimore philly you can it's basically like the mid-atlantic track so it's in a it's in a geographically unique location and even though it's kind of been on the down spiral for a little bit in the last couple of years and some people are theorizing that SMI just bought it so that they can then relocate that date to Nashville when it comes on the schedule or whatever I think Dover deserves and has a very important place on the cup series schedule geographically because there's a lot of chatter about the southeast being saturated oversaturated whatever west coast getting those fans their west coast swinger races even though the Mid-Atlantic is not far away from your Pocono, your Watkins Glen, Martinsville, Richmond, et cetera, I think Dover is a unique enough track and it's a historic enough track that it deserves a place on the Cup Series schedule. And it's not what it once was, you know, and I'm not saying it's going to get back to that and seeing all the seats getting taken out kind of breaks my heart, but it's a necessity. Um, so I, I'm optimistic going into the weekend. I did not think about the lack of interliners this weekend, Brad. That's a great point. Uh, Cause when you hit the wall there, no matter where you're running, you hit a ton. So yeah. I hope that we don't see many tire failures there because yeah, it's just hurting my shoulder. Thank you. I, uh, I feel it in the ribs already. First, my first race doing this for a living was at Dover in, in the fall of 14. And I was working for Mike Kalanoff, um, 140 buzz. And I was like the rep for, Zest soap for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Oh yeah, that's the first time I ever went to the oh. racetrack with credentials. So I guess I really liked Dover. I didn't really sentimental. Think it. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, <laughs> and then I was representing Todd Gillen when he blew a tire. And that's when Harrison won the championship. Yeah, that's when Todd was going for so Arkansas West I guess I had and East. Yeah. Um, no. And actually, Ross made his Cup Series debut there and ran 20th in Jay Robinson's car in front of Dale Jr. Wow. I don't, you, you probably remember that. Um, I remember that. Yeah. So, anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Protect <No>. your melon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Delaware is where, like, one of those campaigns first started, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. we're actually um, – we're going up to New York um, in a couple of weeks to do – that. he still has a lot of that deal. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we're going up to New York, and Dover is where it started. That's how we ran that cup race. And that all happened because of Johnny Davis. Even I crazy. Johnny yeah. Davis and Tony Pescaro. Shout out to Tony. I, I hope he watches this. And, and, uh, <laughs> what up, Tony? Text. Shout out, Tony. In his <laughs> office all the time. Hey, Tony. Tony. Tony's well, the sales guy, JD, in case anyone was wondering. I hope everybody protects their melon this weekend. I know Mamba and Brad will be on a flight later today. Uh, Phil, I'm sure I'll see you this weekend at Dover because I'll be heading down there and with the wonderful DC traffic to help me get out there. So it should be a good weekend all around, boys. Thank you guys for joining. It's been it's been a very deep, very informative, reflective episode, but I think it's been a good one. One of the better ones, wouldn't you say, Mamba? Dude. I, I almost cried on, on camera. Yeah, this thing goes on. You now. did. This you were wiping. Wild. I was I was really trying hard not to. It's uh so I loved it. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for, for listening grinders. and watching off the record. That was a double digit grinder today. That was a big one. So thanks to Brad, grinder A. Thanks to Phil, grinder B, Mamba, grinder C, and Davey, grinder D. We'll catch you next week on Off the Record. <laughs>